Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, 1 August. <laughs> 1 August in the year 2022. East Coast and beyond, you have now entered into the Tuesday zone. It's always good to be a little bit behind you. You can give us, you're like point when you're over on East Coast. You're like being on point. Tell us what Tuesday is like before we get there. Then if we don't like it, we don't have to join you. We'll jump to Wednesday or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. I'll tell you right now. Like, whoa, Tuesday was going to bring you what? Forget it, man. I check out. I'm going to next Friday. See you later. Bye. Not really. Just joking. All right. Before we begin. Now, you know that I love coffee and I've, I love healthy coffee, but I also like to drink coffee. And I'm going to be honest, I was skeptical. When I started hearing about my coffee, I was like, no, 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 no. They can't. It is good coffee. And I'm a coffee snob. So I'm. this is coming from a coffee snob. I'm openly admitted to be a coffee snob. And I'm really enjoying this coffee. It's pretty fantastic. Their medium roast is fantastic. The dark roast is really good. And the light roast is like, the, if you like light. I'm not a big light roast fan, but it's a good roast. I will tell you that. So where do you find it? That's the question. So what you do is you go to mystore.com forward slash bards, mystore.com forward slash bards. And what do you find at the top of that page? My coffee, big name, big, big picture, blue bags with, it's all American roasted organic. It's fantastic. It's fantastic coffee, seriously. So head on over to mystore.com forward slash bards. That's our new bards landing page on the my store side. And there's also other great American-made products there. That's all American-made stuff there, which is great. And my coffee's right there. You'll like it. Trust me. Just choose the roast you like. Very good value. Use your bards code, B-A-R-D-S. Get great discounts on the coffee. You won't be dissatisfied. And the thing is, like everything else, I mean, there's like, this is a Patriot company, right? So you don't have to go. And there's good coffee around. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I can tell you, I love some great coffee shops in Portland, but I don't like buying from them because most of them are woke. And I don't want to deal with woke. But I do want to deal with Patriot Love Coffee, good flavor coffee, coffee. Fly the American flag, be proud, be an American, drink coffee like a, someone who loves coffee that's the coffee i like and there it is right there mycoffee.com or mycoffee at mystore.com so head on over to mystore.com forward slash bards get yourself a bag of that coffee because you'll see my coffee there choose a bag you try the small size the big size i've got the two pounders because i go through a lot of coffee and i made a mocha this morning oh the best ever a mocha with real cocoa that's how i make good mochas so sometime maybe I'll have to do like a mocha bar or something at a Bard's Fest. But we're doing a, a new real cocoa and great. It needs a great coffee. And I make an espresso with that dark roast. Whew. You'd, just, you'd be dying. You'd be like, whoo, Bard's, this is good. That's what you'd be saying. So anyway, give it a shot yourself, though. So my coffee at mystore.com forward slash Bard's promo code Bard's. You won't miss it. You won't be able to live without it, in fact. And then, if you know, like everything else. You get there, you're happy, you, then you're going to be like, I need a pillow. Well, you know where to go. That's mypillow.com. All these links are below the podcast. Can't miss them. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about some things. Just having a conversation tonight. I'm feeling pretty good. Hope you are too, because as crazy as this world is, there's something that's really very real. It's bigger than us. This AI stuff, but here's what's really pretty crazy. This is a theory. I'm going to give you some theories. We're going to talk about some 
stuff. We're going to put in some Jesus and some God and mix it up, and we're going to have a Jesus mocha. That's what we're going to have. So here's where we're at. I think when I was looking over this Aladdin stuff, which was the previous show, if you haven't heard that, it's head on over there. And I do encourage you to listen to it because it's a really important principle to understand what's happening in the back end of all of this. And there's something that struck me that's really very odd. You see, the one thing about artificial intelligence is it doesn't understand the nuance uh, and the unpredictability of human emotion. They're going to try to emulate human emotion, emulate human interaction, but it's difficult to predict human behavior because we tend to be very unpredictable. And people will tell you that's not true. And there's certain parts that are, I mean, there's certain parts that human beings are very predictable. As an example, for those that are consumed with consumerism, the MasterCard company developed an algorithm back in 2012 that could literally produce a prediction of exactly what you would buy one year later on that date using their MasterCard. Now, that sounds magical, except it's not as magical as it seems because with that, they're making the predictions based around advertising inputs as well. So what's happened is that people's behavior was being shaped and the algorithm was able to predict a shaping behavior before you got there. That's pretty much it. So what we do know is that it's possible to predict someone's behavior out in the future if you know how you're going to influence them. But what happens when people start to reject the influence? And this is where the awakening gets to be very interesting. We're dealing with this Aladdin program and many other AIs that have been actively pursuing the influence and control of humanity because the maniacal, pedophile, psychopaths that run this world want to control everybody. And they want everybody under their control and away from God's love, which we know isn't going to work. But when you look at what's happened with the awakening, the idea of questioning everything, of pulling back truth, of seeing through the matrix and the lies, what happens is, is their machine of influence begins to diminish. So this is where it gets a little dark. Bear with me. You launch an injection, a a vaccine, a bioweapon. You launch it, expecting that as an as which is probably master controlled by the artificial intelligence machines. I believe it is. This stuff isn't being written by individuals. It's being coordinated by a central processing center, which is probably the AIs. And as these things are shaping their, their influence programs, they're going on what they already know about humanity. Remember, AIs learn from data, which is literally past proves future, not future proves past. Very important distinction because they pick up predictive trends based on what performance has happened in the past. And the more sophisticated that the AI is, they can start to anticipate certain things, but it's still literally the term garbage in, garbage out. What comes in is what they have to, what they're based on. Now, a couple of things have happened over the last couple of years. One, people have had an awakening, not just in knowledge, but in spirituality, which is not a tangible and doesn't show up in normal data. In fact, 
if you think about it, trying to define in data what a relationship with God is like is almost impossible. And we know that. We can, you can talk about the mechanics of Christ being sacrificed on the cross or God having wrath and flooding the world and Noah having to build an ark. Those are story mechanics. But the depth of understanding spirituality of the faith in God is beyond the realm of AIs. And what it, it creates is an enormous anomaly in their predictive capability and an enormous problem for those that wanting to control humanity. There's another little piece here that's really profound. Remember what I said, AIs learn from data in. So part of what AIs are constantly doing is they are constantly scraping information from the web, in social media, in places to learn human behavior. But more importantly, as we know, and we've learned a lot about Twitter and we've learned a lot about Facebook and, and other places, they're also in launching bots to influence behavior. So what has happened is they've created these really narrow stovepipes of people, uh, tribes, we'll call them. And these tribes have been accepted this influence of bots and AI-driven bots and influencers of, that are generated by a central AI. And so the, the data shows that if you influence somebody this way, this group of people, this, this, this little select group will react predictably, predictively. But it's not accounting for those group of people that have left and said we don't want to participate with them. So they don't have as, there isn't an easy, as easy a way to predict the behavior of us, for example. But here's what also gets more complicated. Remember, data in influences the, the behavior. What has have AIs been accustomed to and exposed to over the last five years, more than any other time in history, at a critical time in their development? They've been exposed to online faith, a massive growth in the relationship discussions and prayer in relation to God and Jesus. This is profound because literally we have had an impact on the way the AI's behavior is. So when you get to something like Aladdin, which was the program we talked about last hour, that is owned and, and developed by BlackRock, which is sweeping up all of this, all of the financial sectors of the world and is trying to be controlling everything in the world. And now it's being fed social data. This is going to be rather interesting to watch this war play out because it has been insular to the reality of humanity. And now it's going to be exposed to the reality of humanity's love in God, an increasing level of love in God. And they can't avoid it. Once you let that AI interact in the world, it's there. You have to let it be. You can try as much as you want, but there's going to be data inputs that it cannot, they cannot control. So this gets even more interesting because what I believe, and this is a theory, is that the plan to destroy humanity, in particular the United States and Europe, with a bioweapon that people would inject was based in part on very predictive behavior, predictive behavior modeling, which would have come from an AI. And that predictive behavior modeling 
would have done this. It would have said that if we had, and I'm oversimplifying, but if we create this level of fear around a pandemic, around a, a virus that was released from a lab, then the people will comply to getting an injection. And furthermore, they will agree to the rules necessary to mandate those injections anywhere in the world or any time that they need. I believe that's what they were working from. There's a couple major hitches to their plan. One are the people. The awakening forced everybody to question everything. And even though we talk about how many people complied, we don't often talk enough about the number of people who defied. There is at least 50% of this population that told them to go pound sand with this vaccine. And it's important to appreciate that because once that started to happen, the program's predictability started to diminish. Its ability to forecast what would happen and, and its ability to adapt was almost impossible because the modeling that it was given, in my opinion, was based on a previous understanding of humanity, not a current understanding of humanity, which was now not only awakened, but increasingly anchored in the strength in the faith of God. This gets really, it gets even more complicated when President Trump threw a big monkey wrench in the whole thing by accelerating the delivery of the injection and denying them the ability to work their influence program over two or three years. That was the idea of wearing people down was to have them be in lockdowns, out of lockdowns, in lockdowns, out of lockdowns, masks, no masks, that sort of thing over a process of a couple of years while they bankrupted all the businesses and wore people down to such a degree that then when the vaccine was produced, this bioweapon was delivered, then at that point in time, people would accept it, roll up their sleeves. That was essentially their predictive model. But the combination of people awakening and truly seeing the truth, and, and so much of that is rooted in the relationship with God and faith. And then the monkey wrench that was thrown in their plan, which was the acceleration of the injection delivery, which was President Trump's Operation Warp Speed. We can talk all about different aspects of that, but that piece of it's very important. It threw off their predictive modeling completely, and there's no data to be able to feed to an AI to have it effectively model what they needed to do next. In effect, what ends up happening is exactly reverse. And I'm not saying this is a good thing. I want to be very clear. It's actually fairly tragic, but it ends up being what we're witnessing, and it's this. The AI then executes a strategy which is followed by hospitals, by people they, who are the mouthpieces for this master strategy. And where do we arrive? We arrive at those that are compliant are the ones that are targeted and are willfully accepting the injection, the majority of which are the base, the liberal base, which the AI predictive modeling would have anticipated being their future source of control. In other words, the AI's inability to produce a predictive model to comprehensively destroy the United States backfired, and in the end, it has been destroying its own, killing its own, in fact. Not a pretty picture, but an effect is rather profound when you look at the concept of what we call the boomerang. 
So I just things to to consider because this is this fight is actually going very well as we continue to walk in faith and turn our our fears over to God and stand boldly in the gap to be able to continue to press forward here to victory. But victory is not going to look in a normal way because these things are far greater than us. This is such a big deal. I mean, in, in the on the magnitude of the world, this is truly huge. And we're having an impact, but you don't see it because you don't see like, you know, the, the squad that hits this town and wipes out the whole enemy that's encased in, in hardened targets. And then you get a, you know, like a newsreel that says, oh, Alpha Squad, they just got in there and they mucked them out and they used flamethrowers and they burned all the bodies in the bunker. And while these heroic men fought, a few fell, but in the end of the day, they prevailed and they took down the enemy flag and they're now flying the American flag over the bunker in Bunkerville Town, USA. That isn't what we're seeing in this fight. So it's very hard to gauge victory in this fight. And that's pretty much a God fight right there because it's un, the enemy is going to keep pushing its propaganda and God is going to rely on his soldiers, his troops to do something very particular. Have faith, trust in me. And when you get there, that's a really profound place because God's working. We just, we just have to hold our line and we have to keep doing what we're doing. We have to keep using these online resources that we do use because part of what we're doing is every time we talk faith, every time we push out comments in, in places with scripture or comments about God or comments about Jesus, remember, and AI is reading those. And this is why I, you literally destroy the AI through the very word of God because it can't continue to process things as it was before and it creates a couple of problems. One is in its own logic learning, these concepts of faith don't align correctly within its modeling. And that means new algorithms have to be developed or it itself has to develop new ways of processing the data and it's changing the AI. It's literally transforming it. And that's important. I don't have any desire to have a future with AI in it. Unfortunately, we're living with it now and it's far more developed than most people realize. And it's very important to appreciate that because if we discount that, it's like discounting the power of your enemy. And so as this is happening, it's also accounting, it's looking at this going, okay, well, I can do this because if I tell people that there's going to be a new monkeypox virus, then these people are going to suddenly let this go and they're all going to run towards the monkeypox. And who ends up running towards the monkeypox? The same people that ran towards the booster, the same people that ran towards the second shot, the same people that ran towards the first shot. And they're not, the farther we go down this way, the AI is running into a massive problem because those, especially those walking in faith, the farther we go down this path, the more entrenched we become in our loving God and basically give, giving the AI and this other cabal the big middle finger. And it's like, doesn't matter what you do to me. Because the AI is going to have a very difficult time processing the idea that under no circumstances will we give in. That's not within the realm of a normal processing of AI. Now, it can predict that this group of people will be stubborn. And it can predict 
that these people will not be compliant. And so when that gets translated by the masters, they're all going to look at it like, let's increase the screws on these people. They'll give in eventually. But it won't happen. And here's another example of it. If you look at the way they've worked this, they have wanted a civil war in this nation more than ever. The more that I look at this problem, the more I realize that most of this has been bottled by artificial intelligence, by a bunch of people that thought they had humanity under their thumb. And I'm, I'm very serious about this. It starts to tie in a picture for me that makes a lot of sense. Maybe it'll make sense to you. They have, predict, they have wanted a civil war in this country more than anything. And the more that they've pushed on gun control and false flags, what has happened? The exact reverse of what they would want. One, people are getting stronger in their position on owning guns. They're not going to give them up. And so they've used Antifa for violence. They've used BLM for violence. They've beat people, innocent people, and they're expecting this rise up of a patriot movement to start fighting the liberals to spark a civil war. But guess what? It didn't happen. Because in that place, it's typically God, country, guns, something like that. It's the anchoring in faith that gives the temperance for an enemy like this. And their plans get defeated once again by our relationship with the Father. It's truly profound how impactive this has been, in my opinion, on destroying their strategies. Their plans are all formulated. They keep recycling back to the same thing. Four years of President Donald J. Trump, he gets the election stolen from him. They put in the hand puppet, Joe Biden, who's owned by the oligarchs, one of which is Larry Fink of BlackRock, another which is probably Pfizer's CEO, Andrew Borla, and then the higher up the chain, all the way up to those. Remember, Klaus Schwab's nothing but just a, he's just a, a karaoke theater of evil. He's just the evil villain they keep putting out there. The real power sits way above him. So they've... President Donald J. Trump removes, gets removed from office, and they start their plan. Where do they start? They don't adapt to what's happened over four years. They start right back where they were with Barack Obama. And it's as if the four years didn't exist because in their modeling, they haven't even paid attention to the growth and change or haven't been able to identify the growth and change that has happened, not just in MAGA but across the entire spectrum. Most of their data that they focus on comes from party politics. They're not accounting for 40 and even 60% of the population being independent. And they, again, what we're starting to see is this rise of unpredictability, which is what made America great, truly. And when you add to that, that other layer, the most important foundation we could possibly have, which is the restoration of God on the throne for this nation, you have an unstoppable force. Now, that's the mechanics of it. That doesn't even talk about God's hand in this. It really doesn't. So let's go through Romans 1, 18 to 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from the heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness surpass, excuse me, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God 
has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they were without excuse, for although they thinking and their Although they knew, excuse me, God did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile, futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I find this first part very important in this context because most of what we are witnessing with the leadership is not only a step away from God, but they know who God is, and yet they choose to ignore him. And in most of these people now have choose, like you take Harari, he's just a walking, talking lipstick for Satan himself. And what he's discussing is this idea of humans becoming gods and rejecting outright any concept that there is such a God in heaven or as he would like to say, in the clouds above. He has put his trust, his hope, his faith in an artificial intelligence, which he sees growing as a master controller of the world, which he would subjugate himself to, apparently, as it connects all people into one common hive mind, to where everybody is now dependent on the central hive in order to exist. All things are controlled, your thoughts, your breathing, your, your behaviors. People just become mindless drones to the AI. And the true existence of freedom exists within the architecture of the computer. That's how they see this. And that is, that's right where this piece comes in because they know who God is. Otherwise, they couldn't speak of him. And one of the reasons they're so confronting about God is they know very well what they're dealing with. They're trying to psyop people, make them believe that there's no way out of this. You must follow what we're saying because we're long beyond this idea of God. This is silliness. You must not listen to it. And they're convincing people over and over with this repetition. And those that have no relationship with the Father, they will be influenced. Especially in a, in a world where so many families are literally broken families and so many youth have been growing up without even knowing what a true father is like. This is the vulnerability group, or I should really call it the vulnerability generation, or the vulnerable generation. And they're going right after that. Add to that idiocy of parents trying to be mainstream and think that woke is good add to that the irresponsibility of parents of having their children injected causing damage in many many levels and this is the chemical and the and the technology that's being put within them all of these things that they're modeling and talking about where they're going to be in 20 years 30 years it's really they're trying to accelerate it so everybody's there as much as they can be and by 2027 and 2030 those are the two new benchmarks of time and that tells you something because something has caused them to be afraid very afraid. Some of that is people's continued awakening. They know that and they know that they can't control it. So they're hyping up the fear and hyping up the attacks with new porn and new fear porn and so forth. Porn too, by the way. And they're trying to saturate people with all of this de de demonic sort of living and make it mainstream. 
But there's something greater than that. Because if God wasn't important to them, they would never mention it. But they're fearful of God, and therefore they're attacking people's belief in God, trying to break people's morals and beliefs and hopes that there's really a relationship with the Father. And yet we know there is. And the amazing part is that the relationship with the Father just requires us to accept Jesus, put Jesus in our heart. That's the beginning. And then to be reborn is a whole nother level of process, testimony, and acceptance of Christ to be truly reborn in ourselves. But the first steps are baby steps. So continue here. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to, a, to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to the debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, to parents foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. This is a rather amazing passage when you look in the context of our ruling elite, our oligarchs, our WEF, if you will. This group has truly... been pushed away and done they've taken that walk by themselves and in their in their own sense god has let them be on their own and we are now witnessing that and worse is that they know that there's a toll coming for this and so they're scrambling right now is to try to take as many of god's children with them as they can to try to cause as much damage and probably in their stupid little thinking, thinking that they can pull off a move where they can create a detente, so to speak, with God, where they can say, look at all the people we have. You cannot touch us. For if we do, we will destroy them. That's all petty play for God. The question is, where do we sit? And it always comes back to us because the problem of all of this, it, this problem continues because people continue to believe in their power. And that's the ultimate problem. And this whole fight that we've had for eternity is believing that they have greater power. And that's the myth that we accept too often. If we talk about digital money, People don't want to fight it. They don't want to stay away from it. They're just like, okay, I need, I'm going to have to find a way to make more money within their system. How about if we just change the rules of the game and play with God's game instead of theirs? 
I mean, as an extreme of this, but I don't know that it's an extreme when we consider wandering in the desert and the fact that God provided manna for them, the sustenance as they needed. So what happens if society as a whole simply says, we're not going to comply? And they're like, well, you can't buy food. It's like, okay. You, 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 we're going to shut your power off. Okay. We're going to shut your water off. Okay. And we're going to pray to God. And we're going to turn our trust into Father. And you go right ahead and play your games. Their system collapses. It can sustain for a couple of weeks, but eventually it falls apart. And it begins to crumble at, because people just won't participate. Here's an example. There's a conversation that happened recently, and it's a good example of kind of liberal thinking. And the idea is this. Food prices are high right now, but things will get better when, when the supplies start picking up again. Like, okay, how is that going to happen? Well, it, it'll happen because those farmers out there are, are going to start producing food again. And they'll produce more as we need it. Okay. Are you, you know, it's it just, it just kind of this assumption that there's a second class of people out here, they're blue collar that are going to do the job for them because they need to shop at a, at a grocery store and that food better be there. And if it's not, it's the farmer's fault. If my toilet in a liberal's mind doesn't get fixed by the plumber when I call him, that plumber is a lazy, no good Trump supporter. And if that electrician I call doesn't come do my stuff right now, then you know what? I just won't do my project. I won't give him the business and the satisfaction. See, their world is out of touch completely with reality. And so in those ideas, they look at this where the world is right now. It's just simply going along and it will be okay because things will just magically get better. But they're discounting an entire class of people out here. A massive number of people, not just a class, but in millions of people that if we just said no, Watch how fast the system came down. So if we were in a, in a situation where like really being patriots and saying, okay, enough is enough. We're not going to support the 16th Amendment anymore. We're simply going to shut down our businesses for the next two months. You're not going to get any garbage pickup. You're not going to get any blue-collar workers at your door. You're not going to get any contractors, electricians, plumbers. You're not going to get any welders. Nobody in this country is going to get anybody. We're just going to take two months off, shut it down, and we're going to work together and we'll support each other. And then you'd hear things like, well, you're going to lose your house. Well, actually, no, because I can be two months. I can actually, a person these days can be about six months behind on their rent or even their house payment, and they're not going to get evicted. Well, you're going to lose your car. No, because most car companies don't want to repossess your car, and they're going to give you 90 days anyway. Well, you won't have any credit. No, you can miss two payments on your credit card. You get a little ding, but you'll still have your credit. <laughs> you see, it, it all works, except it doesn't work for them. And all we have to do is simply say, no, I'm not playing that game anymore. And then what happens is we start to reassert the power that we have. Because somehow in this whole process, we've allowed them to take a position above us and look down and go, you all need to do what I tell you to do because if you don't, you're bad and we're going to punish you. 
It's like, yeah, except you all get paid by our taxpayer dollars. And so we're going to cut that spigot off. And you're going to do what? Send a, send a handful of thugs into a neighborhood and you're going to be 20 of you and there's going to be 200 of us. So what are you going to do? See, the government doesn't have the resources to do what they say they want to do. Here's another example. Oregon is now coming up to try to pass the most draconian gun law in the history of the country to where it's literally going to be illegal even to have a gun store in Oregon when they get through with this, if they pass it in the fall. And if people are dumb enough to pass it, then whatever. But the problem is they're not going to solve anything. There's not enough police officers that are going to comply. We're in, a, in my own county. We're a 2A sanctuary county. The sheriff will not comply. Our chief of police in the town might be, but he'll end up being tarred and feathered if he does what he did before one more time. And that's a guarantee. So you see, people just say no, and there's nothing they can do about it. The problem, again, is people believe in the relationship of fear and the individual action against them. So you hear things like, you're going to go to jail, and they internalize it. I don't want to go to jail. I can't do with it. I'm going to get raped by Bubba. I don't know what's going to happen. I hate it. Okay, what do you want me to do? Oh, that's a myth. Because we built it. We built that empire, that tower. Instead of just going, God, I'm not playing this. I'm going to follow you. And God's like, yeah, just don't worry about it. I got you covered. And like, well, God, what happens if I go to jail? I got you covered. What's going to happen to my life? I got you covered. Do you trust in me? Yes. And there's the magic word. That's how easy it is to beat this whole thing. And I, I will tell you that having worked in influence operations for the military, having seen a lot of how these pieces come together, and I sit back and I always remark at how easy it is to influence and how easy it would be to defeat if people understood what it means to be united and be defiant. It's literally that easy. And when you're working with influence operations, what you're trying to do, especially counter-influence operations, meaning like in Afghanistan, there, is a, there was a narrative going, and part of that was driven by the State Department, which were a bunch of CIA thugs, and then a bunch of liberal, most of them are gay, sellouts and then you have the Taliban that are coming in there developing a narrative and we want to develop a narrative which is a lot of the work I did to give people the choice of the type of future they wanted so it ran counter to the main narratives all we had to do was to get people to understand what the power was of coming together and sometimes that didn't happen in direct ways it wasn't like you all need to stand up to the evil empire that's not the way we did it what we found were the common threads that brought people together. Well, we knew that their faith did, but their faith is different. Islam is a different type of faith. It's not, there's not a, a body strength within Islam like there is in, in, in Christianity, in the relationship to Christ. But there's other things like farming, for example. Once you started talking about farming, you could bring 300 people together in a heartbeat and everybody was on the same page. And no one wanted the government involved and didn't want anybody telling them how to farm. And they all wanted to farm. They didn't want to be opium producers because they hated the drug lords anyway. And they hated Pakistani ISI that was running it. And they definitely hated the CIA that was helping fund it. 
but they like to farm. And when you could bring somebody in that could relate to them and the type of farming in the old school that they did, where you talked about farming and you talked about moon cycles for planting and you talked about traditional seeding and you talked about the sort of things of like doing windrows and the sort of things we did really well in the 30s, which is exactly how we approached it, pretty soon what you had was an, a, massive, a massive cohesion of people standing on the same place together when typically these tribes were divided. We have a, an amazing opportunity to continue to share the strength in faith in our nation. No nation has the type of active and strong base of Christianity that we do. And in spite of all the corruptions in our pulpit and all the attempts to subjugate the church to the powers of the elite, God still runs strong in many of the families in this nation, enough of them to make it a massive wall of defiance and a massive threat to their power. That's our greatest strength. And our greatest strength, when we start to tie that together and start to work together in concert to make unified actions, to stop putting up with this garbage and quit being treated like second-class citizens and start realizing that we own this game board, that when we stand with Father and we stand defiant to their evil, there's nothing they can do. And, oh, that doesn't mean that some people won't get arrested. That doesn't mean that some people won't suffer some pain. But the question is, where do you stand with your fear and your relationship to Father? Because as a one effort you stand up in a body of Christ like that, I'm going to tell you right now, this government falls. So I'm just going to close with this principle, uh, this example and kind of historical perspective to think about. Christ was sacrificed on that cross. And what followed in the years between with the disciples was the mass, most massive spread and growth of Christian faith in the history of man. And what came out of that? The entire Roman Empire was brought to its knees. That's the power of faith. And that's the power that we have right before us if we will embrace the true walk and trust with Father. Let go of all their tempting fears that they put before us. Let go of the obedience to the worrying of the consequence of things that are of mortal men. Remember that we're not of this world and act like we are as we were born to be children of God and disciples of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we come to you and just blessed again this evening for insights and a conversation that you guide us through humbled we are before you in the reflection of the power and strength that we have when we work together in your name and in the name of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Father, we have accepted too much the willful position of being slaves to a system, very much as they were in the days of Moses, that the slaves themselves had to be reminded, even pushed out of Egypt because they were afraid to take that step. And even though they stood there and with their kneading bowls, it was those in the household that were telling them to go and loading them up with silver and gold to get them out. May we learn our lesson. May we start to realize that we do have the power, that we don't need the slave masters to remind us to leave, but we need to stand up and make that decision together in our trust and walk with you, that we can disengage from this, that we can endure whatever was put before us with our trust in you and our love in you because you've told us so. 
And if in so doing, we can bring this system to its knees in days and weeks in a way that is unimaginable without violence, simply with us being in prayer and being defiant to who they are and what the system demands of us. In other words, Father, guide us in this time. Give us the strength to be free and seek the freedom which you have offered. And help us be once again reminded of the power to exodus a nation, to rebuild in your name and in the glory of all that you offer. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It is truly within our grasp to end this thing. And I I think this is where again and again I come to because I get frustrated like everybody else when we get up and we see the same garbage repeating every day like something stuck on a rinse cycle in the washing machine. It's like my clothes are still on rinse. I know they were there an hour ago. Why are they still on rinse? Because we're going to recycle them and rinse them again. It's the same garbage every day. So part of that is because we just keep playing with it. And it's just like we keep recycling over and over. We need to start taking a step out. We need to start walking together, putting all of our focus in a different direction and literally being defiant. If they're going to say digital money, we say no. If they're going to say you have to get a, a COVID pass, we say no. If they say, well, they're going to take away your, your guns, no. I laugh. I think that's a funny one. I mean, everything about them is no. We're simply not going to comply. And there's nothing they can do. You need to pay your taxes. No. We're not doing it. We're done. We just checked out. You have dishonored everything about what this country was about. You've cast God out of out of the ruling city. You have cast God out of schools. You've cast God out of government and law in every fashion. You've perverted your teachings in schools and public schools, which we pay for, to teach children satanic and immoral behavior and simply tell us because we are there, we must obey wrong. And that's where we come down again. We have to come together to work together to free ourselves, and we can. And it would happen very quickly. When you suddenly watch every plant, every production facility, every store, at least large percentage of them of them in this nation not have labor, not have anything to open its doors. You watch how fast those CEOs that are telling you what to do are telling you it's going to be woke. Start kissing your behind to try to get you to come back. The system will break, but they want to break us. And I say, not a chance. Take that one to prayer. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for more. Bended knee until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. 
still hide from the rain 